Hey everybody, welcome again to F This Movie, the official podcast of FThisMovie.com. Movie love for movie lovers. My name is Patrick Bromley and I'm super excited for this week's show because we're talking Gross Point Blank from 1997, which means I am joined by everyone's favorite professional killer, Mark Ahn. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. Did you go to your 10th? Your ten year high school reunion. I feel like this was something that when I was watching the movie, I was like, "We got to talk about this." Okay, because we can save it for later if you want. No, but... it's fine. Okay. I we'll, we'll, let's get into it. Yeah, um, I don't judge anyone who went. I know some people who went and like rekindled friendships that they maybe didn't have for the previous ten years. Like their <laughs> lives were changed by going to this reunion. Um, it never once occurred to me to go. Sure. How about you? You got every well. No, I think it just says that you got what you wanted out of high school already. You're like, I don't I need. Guess. To, I don't need to reinvest in this. I think it has more to do with social media. Sure. I how think, much you love it? <laughs> yes. Okay. I think the whole purpose of going to a reunion is to see what everybody looks like. I think that's why everybody <laughs> goes. And Facebook makes that unnecessary. Sure. Absolutely. Or just if you remember. Um, how human biology works. Mm-hmm. Everyone gets a little grayer, gets a little fatter. And one of the best yeah, lines that's how biology works in Gross Point Blank, a movie full of great lines. Yeah, is when Joan Cusack says that she went to hers, and she says it was as if everyone had swelled. <laughs> and that's such a fascinating way of articulating this concept that I truly believe that, like, the older you get, the more you just become a, a a deeper version of yourself. Sure. You just dig in more to all the things that make you you. And uh, you just swell. Yeah. You I don't get, know. You just get fatter. You retain I don't. More. I don't mean physically swell. Sure. Oh. I mean like you just become I've swollen a more exaggerated version of yourself, you know? No, I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, I did not go to i didn't go to my 10th reunion nor any of the other reunions no i there ever were any. i think there have been other ones but i think the tenure was the only like formal one and then others are just like meetup groups on facebook yeah i just was too and this was like a little bit before um i think now it's very different because at the end i think there's like the full-born onslaught of social media but yeah. i think my my ten tenure was just like a little bit before everybody was on it necessarily, okay. and so it was a, still like a little bit of word of mouth stuff. And I just, um, I think if the stakes were lower, um, and by stakes I mean the price of admission, uh, <laughs> then I probably would have thought about it. But then whatever mailing I got was, it's like, oh yeah, it'll be like $150. And I'm like, $150 for what? To talk to people that you haven't talked to in 10 years. No, I'm good. Thanks. I just, and I don't know. That just was, I didn't want to, whatever was worth reopening, yeah. I was not interested in reopening because I was still trying to figure myself out. I'm like, well, no, sure. no, I'm just not interested in talking to any of you and coming back to this place. I'm sure there would have been people that I would have been happy to see. Right. Um, and, and probably people that I didn't even realize I would have been happy to see. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But I felt at the time and probably still feel that like, well, I stayed in touch with the people that I plan to stay in touch with, which right. is why I stayed in touch with them. And everybody else I stopped talking to for a reason. Not again, not to exclude right. or alienate, but just because like we weren't that close. Yeah. I think I would surprise. I mean, ironically, I think I'd be more interested now than I would have been 10 years out from high school. 
Sure. Because I think now, since I'm like, wow, I really haven't seen anybody for a very long time. Right. And now I'd be much more. And people's lives have actually changed. Ten years out from high school, it's like I went to college or I didn't. Right. I started this job or I didn't. Yeah. And that's kind of it. Like yeah. maybe I'm married. Maybe I have a kid or two. Uh, but you're just not far enough to have lived that much life. Right. You're in that late 20s yeah. curve of uncertainty. And right. that's like like literally the worst time to get together with anybody. Right. If you if you were – I'm in my 40s now, and I feel like I would have more things to talk about. Right. More, or I would just be able to navigate um, all of my social anxiety a lot better. Um, oh, I would in, not. In my, see that. That's <laughs> one of those. No. That's one of those things that has swelled on me. Is right. my social anxiety is only worse. Right. Um, and so, I think I would make it an interesting sort of anthropological experience. Okay. But uh, yeah, I'd be more interested in now in it now, which isn't. Try to organize. That's, one. that's not me endorsing that. No, anyway. I think it. I don't know. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Patrick, I'm watching all these TV shows. Every time. <laughs> I have no time. Hey, speaking of which. <laughs> Have you seen anything good lately? Um, yeah, I've been watching a lot of TV. I don't All know right. if I want to talk about TV and I'm on a movie podcast. You can talk about anything you want. Sure. Um, let's see. I've been we've been watching the Rings of Power TV okay. show, which is I don't want to talk too much about it because I feel like people are in the middle of talking about it. So okay. I generally like it. There's um, only like two out so far, right? Uh, the third one came out this past week. Oh, I take it. it back. Came out on Friday. Got it. Um, I. What like grew up reading all the Lord of the Rings stuff, not just Lord of the Rings, but all the other the rest of Tolkien's stuff that he wrote. He wrote so other stuff. He wrote a lot of other stuff that wasn't made into movies. Then forget it. Yeah, and wasn't exclusively about white people either. Um, <laughs> so I'm coming at it from from that angle, and so it's still kind of enjoyable. I think it's still, but it's still that doesn't make it exempt from normal like first season of a television yeah, series sure. stuff. You know, there's still some hiccups or whatever, but generally enjoying that. Looking forward to that on Friday. Um are they planning future seasons or is this like a more of like a mini series? I know it was ex- insanely expensive. Sure. Uh I forget the exact cost, but it was bananas what they were spending on it. So I didn't know if they were planning on Future seasons, or is this just like a 12-episode event? Uh, that's such a good question. I wish I knew the answer to that's that. That's okay. My my guess is that it's going to go multiple seasons. Okay. One, because... Um, Got to keep those subscribers yes, going. Jeff Bezos is a maniac and wants to make his own Game of Thrones, which is... Mm-hmm. That's fine. We all benefit from that, I guess. Um, but uh, I think there's definitely... I mean, Tolkien is is an infamous... like reviser of his work where he Ah. would like come up with an idea and then rework it and then come back to it years later and so so there's a ton of a real george lucas that one there's a a ton of stuff out there yeah he was like frodo star killer um (laughs) uh so i think i believe gimli shot first (laughs) uh that'd be great if he did um yeah i think i think short characters should be comic relief all the time (laughs) peter jackson comes from that school what are we talking about now? Um, so, no, I, I've been enjoying it. And okay. we'll kind of see where it goes. Um, I've been watching that. We've been watching House of the Dragon as well. Which hot is D, as you call hot it. Hot D. George R. R. Martin wrote about it on his blog. He referred to it as Hot D, which is, I don't know. He's just, thank you, the gift that keeps on giving. And that's a George R. R. Martin. prequel also? That Rings of Power is a prequel? Yes. Okay. 
Um, and Hot D is a prequel. Oh, uh, yes. Okay, yes, cool. So lots of prequels. Can't forge forward, I guess. Nope. Can't. Just well, gotta... with Tolkien, it's harder, too, because he's, he's passed away. Um, yeah. George is still with us, but seems like... Like, I still believe in you, George. You can do it, even though he's in his 80s. But I like I don't think he's finishing those book series. And you know what? That's fine. You live your life. He still has, what, two left to write? Yeah. And that's, yeah, he's that's just getting anything. slower, yeah. which is okay, because he's having a great time. He's got this TV show going on. People asking him questions. They want him to come to stuff. You know what? You live your life. You've earned it. Yeah. You've earned it. Yeah. You've given up so much so much joy over the years. <laughs> so that's been fun. Um, in terms of movies, I watched half of Samaritan. That counts. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a, I saw Let that, Rob. in half of <laughs> Samaritan. Samaritan. <laughs> uh, and I know Rob reviewed it, and it's okay so far. Uh, I watched The Northman completely. Oh, there we go. You're welcome. Um, All of a movie. Which was really good. Um, I think with movies like that that are set in this other time, I think sometimes when we talk about historical accuracy in a mm. movie, we are overly concerned with like, oh, is the this race like... race of character. Right. Is... <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> Is this the right beard length? Is this how much incest should there be mm. inside of a family? Right, um, never too much. Never right. Uh, there, like R.I.P. the Queen. Right. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> wow. What a what a what a cultural Armageddon we've started. Um, uh, I think with historical accuracy, we get too caught up in like, oh, is this like factual? Is this autobiographical? Is like is whatever and. The Northman is set in a time that was like an actually real time that we have some artifacts from. And it's not just about like, did they get this belt or this clothing or this landscape correct? I think it's just like, does it from what we understand about that time period, does it like feel like it's from that time period? It's just the feel thing. And that's obviously a little bit nebulous. That's not exact. But the Northman like has that feel in the way that if any of us as 21st century people went back to the time of like Vikings and Anglo-Saxons running around everywhere. No, thank like, you. Like, yeah, I, I wouldn't last very long. No, but, me either. Um, just like, it would feel so alien and foreign and like their conception of like religion and like, like your relationship to your family and your mm. clan would to us seem so strange. Right. And I think the Northman absolutely captures how strange it would feel to us but not to the people from that time so i love it it's great um nice. i mean it's oh, who's the who's the director again eggers robert eggers robert eggers he's yeah. just like i'm excited he's a, he's about a weirdo yeah i love it weirdo movies i'm in yeah like whatever he's making i'm like i don't know if i'll like it but it's... he was gonna make nosferatu but i think that got canceled yeah i think he he was off and on with it and he just felt i think he's he keeps pushing it or I don't okay know. but you said canceled so maybe it's canceled um, so I watched The Northman. I just want to see him make a Marvel movie. <laughs> right, just like everybody else. He would be perfect for a new X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> you know what we really need? We need more. We need more things to, to feel like a cartoon. Yes. Let's just do that. Let's, yes. Let's just, you don't need, nobody needs genres. Did Everything you look at the lineup movie. for the, you know, D23 just happened? Uh, no, I try not to. Tell me about it. It's, they they announced... 10 movies and all 10 of them are based on a thing sequel to a thing remake of a thing uh not one original idea in the 10 awesome including a movie based on the famous wishing star what 
Yep. They're going to make a whole movie giving us the origin of the wishing star. <laughs> is it a... My real question is, is there going to be a prequel to the origin of the There will be. Star? If this hits, then okay. they can just put it on Disney Plus because now they need to triple their content because oh they have God. Disney Plus. So there's a part of it. Look, I'm not I have no stake in the streaming wars, which aren't actual wars, they, but they will be because real wars are actually happening. Um, <laughs> but I just I, like guys, there is such a thing as like overextending yourselves, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. like just just make movies. Or just make TV shows. Why do you have to make both? I don't understand. Because now, like, both both things aren't as good because you're just overextended. It because happens. you need content. You're, they're not interested in movies or TV shows. Content. They're interested in content. Content. Things yeah. to put on there for people to click on. Yeah. To talk about on Twitter. I, 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 uh, Toronto International Film Festival is also going on. This is a change of subject. But, like, uh, Steven Spielberg's new movie, The Fablements, just screened last night and then again at like 6 30 this morning so two audiences have seen the movie and i've already seen people on twitter talking about like what are its oscar chances i'm just like i can't think of a less interesting way to talk about a movie than debating its oscar chances after two audiences have seen it right when we're still six months seven months out from the oscars whatever and then the same people Mm -hmm. will also be like, well, who cares about the Oscars? It's like, well, I wish those people would say who cares about the Oscars, but they yeah, don't. But they don't. But they don't. So you liked the Northman? Is it so good? Is it somewhere in your top ten so far this year? It is so far. Okay. Um, although that's that's on a limited sample size. I don't. I don't <laughs> yeah. Like I think I've watched maybe. It's hard to tell. Half of Samaritan is yeah. also on the list. Yeah, it's ten. It's the top ten and a half. Um, <laughs> uh, Patrick and I were talking before the podcast. Because um, we have lives outside of this podcast, that, uh, you do um, sometimes. Yeah, um, I came down to the Patrick's basement and he just like raised up from the floor. That's right, right into his microphone. Um, but uh, yeah, I just it's hard to keep track of movies getting released and like what's coming out when and all this other stuff. Um, so just I think how many total movies? Are, I I don't even know how many movies from this year that I've watched. Like okay. I'm not sure because I'm like, was this from last year or is this from this year? And then earlier in the year, seems like a decade ago, right. honestly, like February of 2022, which is or March of 2022, yeah. which is when the Batman came out. Right. Seems like a thousand years ago <laughs> right now. Well, that's because there's nine other Batman movies that you're that's, confusing it with. That's true. Uh, what if we just had a 24-hour, not news cycle, mm-hmm. but Batman cycle? Every 24 hours we get a new Batman? Yeah, why not? I was going to say a new Batman project, but then I remembered that they canceled the Batgirl and uh, right. deleted it or so something. Fast. So yeah, Really quick. I didn't even know that. They did it so fast that I didn't even know that Batgirl was happening. Right. And then I heard about it getting... Movie was done. So there was... Shot, edited, and then they just said, nope. Sounds like a real great way to run stuff. <laughs> this is this is how we make movies now. Yeah. I'm sorry, content. Yeah, this is how um I hope that's not how you parent also. It's just like <laughs> I've raised you and now I'm done. I don't yeah, this was a mistake. We shouldn't have done this. Yikes. Yeah, it's not a Do you have a number to. one for the year so far? Oh, I do. Okay. I have to open up my list. I don't. I I have not really been keeping track, but I've I don't t- have a favorite movie. I've yet. got two at the top. Okay toward the top which right. i don't i don't know which one's which um so we really liked nope oh yeah really liked nope yeah and then really liked everything everywhere all at once okay which i think is yeah like the pinnacle of so far of like and i'm sure someone else will be like what about 
this other movie that you forgot about. <laughs> and that's okay. Um, but I, I appreciate that you were going to go with something specific and then just gave up and you're like <laughs> this other movie. Uh, <laughs> but I think everything everywhere all at once is sort of like the pinnacle of multiversal storytelling. Because sure. in comparison to right, you had the Doctor Strange movie, yeah, which had the word multiverse in the actual sure thing. did. But then the actually the actual multiversal aspect of the movie was like maybe 10 minutes yeah it's like hey you can go anywhere anywhere Mm -hmm. whenever you want to Mm -hmm. and they showed us like maybe seven places i'm like i don't know just one of that movie's many disappointments yeah just 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 like you can go anywhere but you don't you're only going to show us these seven right whereas this you know everything everywhere all at once kind of pushes that to really it's yeah not logical destination but i'm like wow okay you you guys really put a b- bunch of stuff on there, so I really appreciate that. Um, and I'm not a huge fan of like multiverse stuff because I feel like it's just a cop out for just hey everything is anything. Sure, sure, sure. Right, sure. Vanilla is chocolate. What is salt? Is plastic? John Krasinski is Reed Richards. Right? Is <laughs> yeah, and was but yeah those nope and everything everywhere all, all right those are kind of those are toward the top okay Very cool. um i don't know what to do with top gun maverick i don't know what to do it's so much fun i don't know what to do with it just make it your number one <laughs> why not why not pull a risky just like yeah have a have a floating top 10 until he walks in and he's like okay i'm doing it which is which i'm like i don't know how you look that i way, respect it i do i'm not i'm too much of a coward I, can't I am too. I, I I obsess over it in like a weird way, and then I land on something that I'm not even totally happy with. So right. he's probably got the right idea yeah. to just be like, "I'm deciding in the moment." Yeah. What's what does all my frantic over preparing do? Exactly. It's for nothing. Right. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I haven't gone back and listened to like old top ten shows, sure. but I would cringe if I did because I'm sure that I'm putting stuff in there that I'm like, "Really? I put that in? My- I don't you- remember seeing that movie." Warhorse. Um, would you <laughs> exactly have? Would you entertain the idea of a ten year reunion about one of your top ten lists? Sure. <laughs> sure. Let's do it. 2012. Uh, it. What was my number one in 2012? Was it was Super Eight 2012? Was it the movie 2012? I, I hope don't so, but that, I don't think that came out in 2012. Which is a real oversight, by the way. You guys had a chance. Uh, 2012 came out in 2009, but it did star John Cusack, star of uh, Gross a, Point Blank. This movie. Uh, Super 8 was 2011. What the hell was 2012? Uh, well, whatever. I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't either. Who I cares? can't even think. Yeah, nobody cares. Nope. <laughs> okay, just go, go listen to it, guys. It's it's back there. Just yeah. listen to it. Yeah. Yeah, same. What have uh, you been watching? What have I been watching? Um, I have like three to watch, I th- or three to mention, I think, because a lot of stuff I've been watching has been for podcasts and such. Uh, Erica and I watched Good Luck to You, Leo Grand, which played at the Chicago... That's a movie. It's a title that's too many words. It I'm played at the Chicago Critics Film Festival. It was like one of the closing night movies along with I Love You, Dad. Uh, we were not able to go, but then it popped up on Hulu shortly thereafter, and it stars... I don't remember the name of the actor. I know Emma Thompson is sort of the lead. Um, hold on. Good luck to you, Leo Grant. Daryl McCormick is the actor's name. And it's basically the two of them in a series of hotel room meetings. He is a sex worker. She she is a widow, has hired him for sex. 
but she feels so neurotic about it. <laughs> and uh, they have these long conversations about everything. Um, it's fine. It it feels like somebody wanted to write an essay about a bunch of ideas, like what it means to age in Hollywood and what sexuality is and how sex work is legitimate work and we shouldn't feel shame about it and like has all these ideas. And so she, the, the, the screenwriter just puts it in the mouths of these two characters and has them sort of talk these points at each other. Sure. It's fine because like it's well acted and Emma Thompson is always right. watchable. Yes. Um, but it wasn't anything that I feel like I'm really going to be pushing on people to watch. Is Leo Grand like a play on Rio Grande? I mean, maybe. It's not his real name. It's kind of a spoiler. But oh, sorry, guys. It's all right. I I'll, lifted just, the veil. I'm just putting it out there. Um, speaking of, of movies I really didn't like, uh, I also watched <laughs> They, Them on Peacock. No, I don't know this one. Yeah, no, I think it's I, a Blumhouse I, joint. I feel like I saw it like in passing because I also have Peacock, and I was like, oh, I don't know what that is. It's written and directed by John Logan, um, who has collaborated like with Tim Burton a bunch. Okay. Uh, didn't he do The Nines? I fucking love that movie. No, this is his first movie as director. Okay. Who am I confusing? Did you ever see The Nines with Ryan Reynolds? So. Oh, my God. So. It's so good. That's okay. like a... Was that on Netflix? I feel good. No, God, no. Way before Netflix content. How dare you? Um, it's kind of like it's it's kind of like a multiverse movie. I love those. Kind of. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, like, there's like three or four different incarnations of Ryan Reynolds, oh. and I won't explain why. Sure. Um, it's it's terrific. Anyway, okay. John Logan did not direct the Nine, so okay. why are we talking about it? Uh, but he did direct They Them, which is a would be. Slasher set at a camp for like a a gay reform camp where kids are sent to be cured of their homosexuality. Uh, And Kevin Bacon plays like the owner of the camp. It's a good idea. It's just it's like it's another one of these that has has all these important things that it wants to say and would rather do that than like be an entertaining horror movie. Sure. It's not good. Yeah. It's just a lot of like talking points disguised as dialogue. Right. I feel like the, the two movies you've talked about so far have the people making them had this idea of like, well, this is what is on my mind, but I'm going to, try to sneak it into your yeah. palette by disguising it which as, which i respect yeah. um i think horror is a great way to get those messages across i think everybody's hearts are in the right place in terms of the things that they're wanting to say again it's they're preaching to the choir because they're saying all these things and i'm like yeah i agree with you i agree with you this representation is important this matters now be a good movie also right because just representation isn't enough right because this is what i Paid for for Peacock. I wanted <laughs> to watch a movie as well. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then the last movie I'll talk about is an older movie that I finally got around to seeing, and it is Twilight from 1997. Not, or is it 98? Might be 98. 98, sorry. Okay. This is not Kristen Stewart, Robert Pattinson, Twilight. Uh, I'm already disappointed. This is the Robert Benton movie, uh, kind of a neo-noir um, starring Paul, it, it, starring an insane cast of people, by the way. This is one of those movies where every single person that shows up 
You're like, whoa. I can't believe this person is in this movie. Sometimes it's before they were famous. Um, like Giancarlo Esposito wasn't a big name when he made this movie. And uh, not Anne Magnuson. What the f- Anne Dowd. Is it Anne Dowd? No, it's not Anne Dowd. It's the one that I always confuse with Anne Dowd. Um, By the way, it is impossible to look up this movie on the internet. <laughs> it just really <laughs> is. Margot Martindale. Okay. Margot Martindale shows up. Lee F. Schreiber before he's anybody. Reese Witherspoon kind of before she's anyone. Uh, James Garner, Paul Newman, Susan Sarandon, uh, 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 Stocker Channing. Uh, it has an M. Emmett Walsh to burn. Like he wow. shows up, doesn't speak, and dies. And you're oh. like, that you hired M. Emmett Walsh to do that much? Yeah, he was free. He had a free morning, <laughs> I guess. But uh, it's good. It's the score is a little off putting because sometimes it's a little too like bouncy bounce, and you're like, no, you're this CD neo noir. Be that. Um, Paul Newman's great. I mean, everybody in the movie is great. Uh, and it says a lot of things about, you know, aging and, uh, it's there in the title, um, regret and, uh, Gene Hackman is it? Gene Hackman. I fucking forgot Gene Hackman. He's got like four scenes, but of course he crushes all of them. He's like mostly in a bed playing gin. That's how I want to go out guys. And at 98, I was like, I'm probably not going to see that movie because like. Those aren't the actors that appeal to me right now. Right, no, Gross just, Point Blank has the actors that appeal to me sure right now. Does. And now, in 2022, I'm like, fucking bring on a movie with <laughs> Gene Hackman and Paul Newman and oh, God. James Garner. Uh, it's part of the indicator put out like a neo-noir box set last year. And it was maybe the one title in there that I had never seen, or if I had seen it, I had forgotten it. So I wanted to watch it yesterday. It's good. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I've never heard of this movie. This looks amazing. Yeah. I recommend it. Okay. I might borrow it from you at some point. Actually. Uh, you can pry it from my cold dead hand. Okay. All right. Um, I'm after, looking after up, the reunion. After the, I'm after looking the up reunion. where it's streaming so I can tell people where it's streaming. Everyone watch it. If at all, because people, surely, uh, you can rent it on Apple TV or stream it on Pluto TV. And it's rentable at all the, like, Amazon, YouTube, Voodoo. Uh, I don't totally understand what Pluto TV is, but a lot of people talk about it. I don't understand a lot of those other ones, like like Tubi. I know Tubi. I know it. I don't know what like Tubi's do, all free. Yeah, how do you how do you do this? You like, you just download the app. Yeah, it has you, a huge selection. Like, why do you? Why do and you it's exist? All free. Yeah. I don't know how they do it. Yeah, I don't know either. But they figured it out. God damn it! And some industrious little yeah. Dude was like, and a lot of times, like, it's stuff you can't find anywhere else, and you're like, but it's streaming for free on Tubi. Like, how'd you do this? Yeah, not sure. No, it's great. Uh, yeah, they have the whole full moon catalog, (laughs) right? (laughs) Who has that? So, if you need a fix for like an evil bong movie or a ginger dead man, no, October's coming up. (laughs) It's like all the apps on my smart TV that I don't understand, right? Those are words that I've never heard before, Pluto. But since I don't want to work right now at home, I'm just going to click on one You're of gonna these You're going to watch things. Twilight on Pluto. Why not? Why not? Both Twilights. Either Twilight. Do a double feature. Which is still the most difficult movie that I've run across in a long time to internet search. <laughs> I, do, I had to literally put Twilight Movie 1997 to like yeah. avoid all the other yeah, stuff. Yeah, you want to you skip the other one. Impossible. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of that. Impossible. That movie. Okay. Uh, let's talk about Gross Point Blank. Let's talk about it. I don't know where to start, as usual. I'm this movie meant so much to me in 1997 uh, because I was a young man, and this is a young man's movie. It sure is. I think it holds up. I think even watching it yesterday, I was like, no, this movie is very smart. 
It's very funny. It's surprisingly profound in moments. Like, it's not just hipster snark. And I think it could have easily been hipster yes. snark. And I don't think it's that. Yeah. Um, but, like, at this at this point, John Cusack was, like, probably my favorite actor. Yeah. I think this is, like, peak Cusack. Um, yeah. Right? I agree with that. I, mean, I After, during and after watching those, I felt like such a deep like i just miss john cusack a lot mm-hmm. and and i understand that he's kind of like uh at a point in his life really where it's just like eh, you know he doesn't really have to work kind of thing and there's not necessarily a lot of roles for whatever it is that he wants to do um especially because one he probably doesn't want to be a marvel superhero and then two isn't gonna go like but what if he could direct like an x-men movie <laughs> right uh, what if we uh, change the gender of one of the females no! to be? Right? We never change the gender. <laughs> what if he was? <laughs> what are you saying? What a wild sentence we just said <laughs> with this pretend uh, uber nerd that we this this Aristotelian ideal of a nerd that Patrick <laughs> yes. Is, is. Yes, pretend. <laughs> These people are for real. Um, but he hasn't gone like the Liam Neeson, like, I'm going to just make action movies in my 50s and he 60s kinda route. He has. He's kind of like locked inside a red box these oh, days. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I was looking at his filmography, and I'm like, uh, the last movie that I saw with Cusack was Love and Mercy from 2014, okay. which that's the last one. And I, Yeah. I mean, I was going to say The Raven, but Love and Mercy would have been after that. Yeah, which I really liked, by the way. Love and the Mercy Raven? Was- no. Oh. <laughs> no. Never the Raven. Never I did not Raven. watch the Raven. Um I saw it opening day. Oh, how was I'm it? like Cusack playing Edgar Allan Poe. One it, please. Was it so good? <laughs> it was not great. No. It's not the worst, but like it's very forgettable. I just is it supposed to be a it's not a It's bi- like it's a fictional a story right? using him as the protagonist. But like what if they made it's like what if they what if they just took this pretty ordinary tortured guy and just made him like a detective? Basically, yeah. Every tortured person is not a detective. Guys. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Love and Mercy, like I like the Cusack stuff. I really like Elizabeth Banks in his scenes, and I think Cusack is good in it. But the better movie is the Paul Dano stuff. Oh yeah, like just do that. Yeah, agree. And oh. I never say more Paul Dano ever. <laughs> <laughs> what if Paul Dano was? In more movies. <laughs> I think I have a different lisp than Maybe, what you're yeah. doing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. It's okay. We've got to workshop it. Um, <laughs> no, but I really miss John Cusack, and I don't remember the last thing he was in, and I forget, which I shouldn't, but I forget how super just natural he is and how quickly he's just this sort of likable character instantly. Yeah. Um, I miss it. And I, I think he's, this is the beginning of – like kind of a run because High Fidelity came out like three or four years later. Two thousand, like I want to say. Yeah, and so it's sort of a, it's like peak. Like when I remember Cusack, I don't necessarily remember all the eighty stuff because I feel like that's a different. I was like a little too young to like idolize him at that point in his career. But like this movie and then High Fidelity is like what sticks out in my mind about like oh that's who Cusack is. Um, I didn't watch it right when it came out because I think it was I was just too. I was just too stupid to watch this movie when it came out because I was like in college of like, I don't, I don't know. What, what is this about? Um, so I came to it like a little, I think I came to it after high fidelity actually. Oh, okay. And then I, cause I was like on a, on a, on a, on a buzz. I was like, yeah, I right. need more Cusack. And then, but no, it's, I just miss him. I kind of, I kind of miss him on the big screen. I miss him doing stuff. Uh, between 
John Cusack should be my favorite actor just between like the sure thing better off dead say anything yeah gross point blank high fidelity like those five movies right there should make him my favorite actor and he was for a long time I I wouldn't call him that anymore he's maybe if you follow him on Twitter he's gone in an interesting direction but um, he's still very passionate very political yes not great with the editing on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a hard place, guys. It <laughs> it's, is. It's not it an is. easy place to survive. No, in. no, it is not. Um, but this, if anything, because I saw this movie probably three times in theaters. I had the soundtrack. I mean, I was all oh in on gosh. Gross Point The soundtrack is so good. It's unbelievable. It's totally so good. And it's not, good it it's not, this movie avoids so many pitfalls because it's not up its own ass with how good it is. Like it comes by its goodness sincerely. There's a scene in bring it on. Maybe we're like, (laughs) that's right. Yeah. No, I'm with you. (laughs) Jesse. What's his name? The come on, man. (laughs) I don't got it. Sorry. I wish there was a box so that we could type words into it and look things up. That'd be really nice. The romantic lead of Jesse Bradford of bring it on. Sure is always shown to be wearing, like, a Clash t-shirt and, like, playing punk songs on his guitar. Yeah. And it's this bullshit shorthand for, like, see, this guy's smart and cultured and cool, and Kirsten Dunst should go for him. He's right. not like the other high school guys. Um, and I have a tendency to see right through that shit. And gross right. point blank, you really get the feeling that, A, it, the music is important because you have a character who's a DJ. Right. And, B... The people who made this movie like these songs, and that's why – so this was like such a tee-up for High Fidelity for me because yeah. it's the same screenwriting team. Right. Uh, Cusack very heavily involved in like picking the songs. Yeah. High Fidelity has an amazing soundtrack. Yeah, so good. Um, and I was like, oh, these this group, they're going to like run the next decade. They're going to be so great. And then they made a movie called War, Inc. that was like a <laughs> catastrophic <laughs> yeah. failure – and then that was it. Yeah. No more. Yeah. This is a total bummer. Um, I, it's, um, it feels way more like lived in a little bit because I feel like when you're talking about your bring it on reference, it's, uh, it feels like, like your younger siblings understanding of the clash. It's like, Oh, I understand the clash right. not because I listened to it, but because my dad or my older brother <laughs> yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know that it's something cool, but I've never listened to one. Right. I've just seen that London calling. Like, poster <laughs> right, and exactly. That's it. And it's exactly, but it's these, I mean, this feels much more like, you know, it's, you know, and it doesn't do the BS of like where the actual title of the song is like a line of dialogue, like that kind of like one to one correlation right. garbage. Well, and it helps um, that they're playing songs that would largely have been what the characters were listening to in 1987. Right. That's what they would have loved. Yeah. Because they're like actually hip and yeah. not pretending to be cool. I don't know. Not that it's important. All right. But I don't know what to call. Like, I was trying to explain this movie to people and I don't always know how to explain it because it sort of isn't necessarily like it's not a 
it's not a thriller. No. It's not a mystery. No. It's not really an action movie, even even though Cusack plays a hitman. And right. There's, like some, there's some action. There's, there's some gunplay. Benny, but, what's his name, right? Yeah, Benny Urca does. Yeah. Who apparently trained John Cusack yeah. for 20 years. I was like, what? Yeah. I did not know this. No, when he showed up in the movie, I was like, that's his trainer. Right. That's yeah. so cool. That's I just recognized him from like other movies. I'm like, wait, that guy's been in um, in other stuff. Uh, but it's, it's really just a... It's a John Cusack movie. It's like, it's yes. just like an ad- young adult drama, and like the hitman stuff is just like for funsies sprinkled on top of it. And so I'm like, I don't even know. I don't know how to explain it to people. Um, I think it starts the. Okay, this is. Do you okay? Do you ever compare? Not like in a who's better kind of way, but just like in more of like a seeing parallels kind of way, like Nick Cage and Cusack. I mean, I have sure. Yeah, and not because I'm not interested in saying who's better than the other one. I yeah. like them both, and it's totally fine. Right. Um, but I find it interesting that they're both in in '97. They're both in Con Air. Yeah, right. Which is hilarious. But then I think that's like the modern kickoff of like a uh, dramatic actor, mm-hmm. right? A guy that's known for doing dramatic stuff, and then let's stick them in an action movie, mm-hmm. and then that really starts in good faith really in 97 right it's con air i think face off is right around that time 97 and then it like really kicks off for realsies and then it goes all the way to 2008 and then it's then it's taken um but i think i just think it's super funny that those two guys yeah are, are the ones and then cage is kind of taken in a slightly different and like they're they're still like in that space a little bit which i find is really funny but like this is like the first one that he did you know yeah it, well it, it's a weird thing because Cusack in 97 kind of takes control of his own destiny by doing gross point blank and it's like here's a movie that is very much an extension of who I am it says a lot of things that I want to say it's got the music that I want to listen to I look how I want to look I'm working with the people that I want to work with um and then he does Con Air and he gets a paycheck you know uh Nicolas Cage does Con Air and it sort of defines the next 20 years of his career in terms of like, now I'm an action star. Cusack doesn't become an action star. Cusack sort of later becomes a little bit of an action star at the red box because that's where he's selling tickets with like international financing and stuff. He's still a star. So they'll stick him in red box action stuff like drive hard, which I'm guessing you haven't seen. Yeah. It's not great. Okay. He wears gloves and a hat. He always wears a hat. Now I'm like, what's going on? Is there something up with his hairline? He's got a hat or a bandana in every movie he wears. Uh, because in Gross Point Blank, he's got a terrific head of he hair. He really does. Yeah. Looking great, John. He looks, this is the best he's ever it's looked. Fantastic. Yeah. Lean. Yeah. He's believable. Wearing as a hit black man. suits. Just like fucking cool. Karate high kicking people. Yes. He looks awesome. Dating Mini Driver. Awesome. Come on. Also, Mini Driver. Also, not that it, we, you don't have to veer in this direction, but I think also, is this peak Mini Driver? Mini Driver has a, has a short window. She sure does. So 97 is is Gross Point Blank and Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. So yes, this is 100% peak mini driver because shortly after this Hollywood is like, "No, no, no. We're not you're not dating Matt Damon anymore? Okay, we're not interested." Yeah. Hmm. And it's a real fucking shame. Yeah. Because I was watching this movie just like, "Mini Driver is great. Can do a lot of stuff and was really kind of sold a bill of goods by Hollywood." Yeah. Uh is but just so we remember because I don't want to rehash Minnie Driver's career, because I'm sure she's... Of course I do. Uh, but she's funny. Yeah. She's she's sharp. She's dark. 
Yeah. She's uh, thoughtful. She's She can sing. Yeah. She's not uh, this sort of typical, like, bimbo starlet. No, not yeah. at all. And, in fact, gr- the, the, the one area where I feel like Gross Point Blank loses me a little is it leans a little too hard on isn't Debbie cool? Right. And it's the scene where she's like, give me an airplane. And I'm like, well, this is not a thing anybody does, but it's quirky. Yeah. Uh, and is trying to make both of them a little too quirky and whatever. Uh, Debbie is cool without needing an airplane. Yes, 100%. Um, feels like a person that you would have gone to high school with. Feels yes. like a person who was like from your neighborhood that would have been uh, uh, traumatized by you leaving them and not right. – like not saying hi to me 10 years later um i miss mini driver too yeah uh she still works but yeah, not she, enough she does and not in big stuff i love the stuff that this movie has to say about like nostalgia or about like um that sort of 10 year gap you know between high school and the reunion it has a couple of great speeches by characters i think steve pink gives a great little manic like possibly coke-fueled speech where he's talking about like the honor society of blue stars on their name tags like right. it means any like it fucking means anything they were in this club 10 years ago right. Right. um the woman handing out name tags at the desk is right. so perfect yeah. in how she the hyphenated last name yes what a touch <laughs> right. what a touch right so good uh but the best is when that guy who used to be on walking dead confronts cusack and cusack calls him on it and he's like there is no us there, we don't have some weird history that needs to be worked out or something like right. we don't exist. So who do you want to punch? Because it's not me. <laughs> right. It's like wow. It's uh, honestly even in '97 when he gives that speech, I was like, yes, because oh I know God. so many people yeah. who think they have this rivalry that just doesn't exist. It's this one-sided thing that they've built up in their head. That, like, somehow there's tension between them and this other person. And, and then you find out, like, oh, the other person doesn't give two shits about me. It can go two ways. One, it can make you forget about it. Or two, it could just make it worse because like, you've built it up in your head for ten years. And then you find out you mean nothing to that person. And you're like, oh, now I'm furious. Yeah. Um, luckily, the guy doesn't punch Cusack because yes. he'd end up dead. It's so much. And it's what a – like, the movie's so much better for it. Yeah, like, You would expect – well – Cusack's a hitman. Right. He has these skills. Right. But it's like, no, I don't, I don't, this is not what I do it for. This right. is not, he's not here for like some sort of revenge. Martin's not there to like avenge his past. <laughs> right. You know, it's, it's not about any of those things. I really love, I love high school movies that just deal with, I don't like high school me- movies that are about specific kids in high school at the time because one that's like my everyday work life and so i'm not (laughs) interested in watching movies like that i need a a little bit of a break but i think also it 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 has to live in that sort of adolescent space i'm a little bit more interested in adults who are supposed to be have grown out of that Mm -hmm. and then they're still dealing with that adolescent space either with because they haven't matured as people enough or because they're forced to come back to their old hometown they're like forced back into this place that they thought they'd left behind a long time ago um i love just just like the running gag of you know you see him trying to get ready and think about like what am i going to say to people like how am i supposed to you know 
and then you know he runs through all the options which are also hilarious like oh i work for kentucky fried chicken or like you know all these different things and then what he decides to do and we never and we don't know what he decides until someone actually asks him and someone's like what do you do and he's like he just goes with the truth i'm a professional i'm a professional killer and everyone just everyone thinks it's a joke right and it's just so funny because everyone kind of speaks a specific language in this movie it doesn't feel like it's all an extension of one screenwriter that bothers me sometimes when like Oh, everyone's Aaron Sorkin's mouthpiece. Right. Um, but it would make sense for them to just assume he's being a smartass and they always say something smartass back to him. So it's always like, oh, does that come with dental? Or, hey, it's a growth industry, I think is what Debbie's dad says. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so calm. It's, oh, growth industry. <laughs> oh, oh, you're doing well for yourself. Great. Um, but it, it's, it speaks to this, like, you have to... Like, it's not even about having an answer for yourself for, like, what have you been doing for 10 years? It's mm-hmm. like, what have I been doing for 10 years? But it's also you have to have an answer to that that is satisfactory to these other people right. Right. that you may or may not have a real connection to. And it's just – but I don't know. It, I just find all of that super interesting because it's it's – how much are you because like you want to grow and you want to be this and again i think in your late 20s this is the space that you hit right of um like am i actually an adult am i like my own person or am i just still like an extension of of home this like place that i have this love hate like everyone has sort of a love hate relationship with where they grew up with sure. right it's like oh i wish i wasn't from here but then you also when you go back you you generally have like a warm feeling for like well you know at least this is where i come from and I think that tension on his face that, um, like an unintentional, sorry, I'm just blabbering. No, it's on. fine. Um, I love this tension of like, he's so equipped to handle like other professional killers, but he is like totally not equipped to handle like going back to home. Like, right. Right. And, like that's something that's so fun. Like that's scarier to him mm-hmm. than actually trying to kill people. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's something funny about that. I love, I mean, the existential crisis of like, you can't go home again, but at least you can shop there. Like when he goes back to his house and it's been turned into a mini mart is the greatest gag. The way it's revealed is so great. His line about at least you can shop there. Uh, This movie has so many quotable lines. I tweeted something out yesterday because I watched it and I was like, I've quoted this movie probably once a day for 25 years Uh, without even always realizing it. Last week, I texted Adam something about, like, getting so charred and toasted. And I didn't even – I couldn't remember what it was from. And then I'm watching Gross Point Blank and that guy's yeah. like, oh. get so charred and toasted. It's like, oh, it's Gross Point Blank. Of course yeah. it is. Of course it is. Hello, you handsome devil. <laughs> yeah. You were a handsome devil. Who What's you? your name? What's yeah. your name? Yeah. Uh, uh, what are you doing here? How long have you been here? Jeremy Piven is so good and it's like he still has his hairline and he's playing such a specific type who's like – Pretty successful now. He's a successful realtor, but clearly maybe wasn't cool back in high school, and that is weighing on him the way he tries to get – what's her name's uh, – Jenny, Jenny Slater. Hi, Jenny Slater. Hi, Jenny Slater. Hi, Jenny Slater. Hi, Jenny Slater. Everyone's got a Jenny Slater, guys. We all do. Um, special kind of pain. <laughs> so, so funny. And the banter between him and Cusack is obviously very – lived in and believable because they were real life friends who grew up together and like uh yeah there's just so many things i don't want to make this just a a laundry list of things that i like about this movie but honestly i was watching it yesterday i was like when i made my top 10 list in 97 i don't feel like this movie was a contender because 97 was a fucking crazy good year for movies (laughs) but i think i've 
watched I think Gross Point Blank has like lived with me and mattered to me more in the 25 years since than uh, I can't think of what else was on my list but uh than a lot of the movies that were I mean not Boogie Nights that was my number 1 sure. and that's not changing yeah. but um it's also really it's rewatchable too super and, rewatchable and everybody understands and outside of like you know uh slightly antiquated things like Someone being a DJ. That's not really a thing <laughs> In anymore. a weird living room where they just look out onto the street. Yeah, it's where everyone can see you and where everyone can hear you also. <laughs> right. No thanks. Um, no, not a thing. Wait, not right. a thing. <laughs> Guys, what I didn't tell Patrick is that we're broadcasting this podcast live <laughs> right? onto his cul-de-sac. We're sitting in my kitchen and people are walking by listening to everyone us. Everyone can see us. Have some fudge. <laughs> um, but uh, but even outside of just like things of its time, like the music, like it's everyone understand. It's super rewatchable because everyone understands the anxiety of like going back and like revisiting these people that you're super unsure like what kind of holds should they have on you, right? Um, just another like little conversation, like when he goes back to. And it's, I just love the, the conflict of, like, uh, he's like doesn't know how to feel about going back home. And then he drives past his old high school, and he's, like, looking at it, like, oh, yeah, there it is. And yeah. then he, like, bumps into, I, th- I don't know, he bumps into one of his old old teachers, and they have, like, this real totally cute conversation. Her and... dialogue in that scene is better than 98% of teacher dialogue in any movie. Right. I watched that, and I'm like, that's how a teacher would talk to a student. In the real world, like she's joking back and forth with him. They're talking about horrible Ethan Frome damage. She's talking about you look like a mortician. Like they have a thing. They have a rapport. And I'm like, that's how especially a guy like that would be singled out by his English teacher. Right. Um, And that's how they would reconnect with one another as opposed to like stand on your desk, tear up your books, like all this horseshit that we get in movies. Right. I love that scene. It's, no, so it's so truthful. Well, it's also like that's that's the kid that a person, that a teacher from that community, a teacher from that school would remember. Cause, yes. Because, like, you know, there's always the, the people who do well and you sort of expect them to do well. And there's, like, the people who, like, you know, on the other end of it, too. But then Martin would absolutely be the the, the kind of student that you're like, that – kid has so much talent but like what is he doing and right. so that's like the thing that would make him so memorable um i think you know the thing that hasn't dated well about gross point plank and i wasn't necessarily thinking about this when i watched it because it's certainly not the movie's fault yeah is the idea of like his kind of backstory is you know i freaked out on prom night i wanted to kill someone I joined the army. They saw I had a special set of, set of skills. Like, they don't go crazy with his origin or his background. They give you just enough to have you say, I guess that makes sense. Um, he would be like a school shooter now. He would be profiled as a school shooter. Yeah. The idea that some high school kid wants to kill someone is like a very dark concept. In 97, we didn't know what that looked like. No. Like, I'm not saying no high school kid had violent urges, but like, we're two years out from Columbine. <clears throat> We're a lot more years than that out from school shootings monthly. Yeah. Um, so instead of – and again, there's even a joke to be made about like how he goes into business for himself and becomes a successful capitalist like right. by murdering people. Just, just profit sharing. Huh? Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And we got to talk about Ackroyd. <laughs> Um, I love that he puts both his sisters in the movie. I think Joan Cusack is yeah. so funny. Oh, my gosh. He's his other crazy. sister, whose name I can't remember, has that great scene. 
uh, with the I work for Kentucky Fried Chicken, and she's ordering the give me a yeah a martini, a very specific drink. I need another dirty martini. (laughs) Deb, is it Anne Cusack? So good to see you. Uh, I don't know the other Cusack. Okay, she's the other Cusack sister. Other Cusack. Um, I love when he calls her. Sergeant Looks Pepper. Sergeant Pepper. <laughs> I totally stole that for a show that I was in. We did Hair in 1999 sure. for like community theater. Yep. And they costumed one of the other characters that I was talking to just like that. And so one night I just ad-libbed on stage, listen, Sergeant Pepper. <laughs> and I got a big laugh. It wasn't my laugh to, to be had. But... There you go. You deserve it. Thank you. You deserve it if you can make it work. It is Anne Cusack. I was okay. correct about that. Hello, Anne. Uh, she's a listener it's just probably she's a patreon subscriber <laughs> thank you and thank you for your patronage um uh yeah cusack so good uh profiteering oh let's talk about Aykroyd. um another but just yes another guy who's known for like doing something else doing something else right he's you know comedic guy but like what if we just made him also a professional killer and that's like the the visual comedy of Dan Aykroyd, who at this point is like a little bit of a, he's always been kind of a bigger guy. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. When like the final shootout at Deb's, Deb's dad's place, when he's running up with two pistols and he's running up to the front door is visually the goofiest thing I've yeah. ever seen. Yeah. Dan Aykroyd running is funny. <laughs> That's just funny. It's always funny. And then his, the whole idea of how he wants to, um, Unionized, unionized sort of yeah come on you know uh, more why, like a club why let's make more well, yeah why double why double book <laughs> like you know their whole first dialogue exchange makes no sense until you've seen this movie twice yeah they're just throwing out these weird things at each other he's going popcorn and he's going whoa, 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 making dog noises and you're what the hell are they saying to each other and then you see it a second time you realize he's referencing this thing that happened with Butro and a stick of dynamite yeah. um he is very over the top. He's very much in his Ackroyd, like yeah. doing his rapid fire, fast talking. Right. But he's a cokehead, maybe a little. Maybe, bit. yeah. yeah he, I don't they know. Talk, no, they talk about the drugs that they take to like keep their alert, oh right, focus during breakfast. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, okay, thanks, Dan. It's great. Um, I, I say all the time. By the way, I don't want to have a semantic argument about it. I just want to. I just want the protein. <laughs> That's another thing that I quote all the time popcorn and it makes sense to no one especially the i just want the protein they're like what the fuck are you talking about yeah you don't really eat that much protein no so it's really strange um if you think about it this is sort of like the bizarro world version of like the assassins universe from john wick because that's like the (laughs) i thought you meant from the movie assassins with sylvester stallone and antonio banderas no thanks uh or the assassin like the the foreign the chinese movie that came out a couple years ago did i see that one I tried to see it. Okay. No, I watched it with you. Right? In your basement. Yeah. And we all fell asleep. Yeah. It's like beautiful, but nothing. No, it's just like, it's like the scene's over, but then the camera was still running for another 30 <laughs> okay. seconds. And I was like, what's just happening? Just making sure I'm remembering the correct Is movie. Is this artistic? I thought it's I was very, in a, It's very pretty. I thought I was in a fever dream. I'm like, are you guys also seeing this too? Like, they're they're done talking, right? Yeah. But they're still moving? I yeah. can tell. They're blinking. Um, we're so far afield, uh, <laughs> but like the John Wick, like like over the top gold right. coin business, right, and right, this right. is like the other end of it. Yeah, this is the dregs, right? Right, it's this Martin, is the, the working and class like... <laughs> assassin world. Right, I'm gonna who? Right, those guys get the cool jobs. Like right. they get to go to Milan <clears throat> and they go to Hong Kong. These guys are like, nope, got a job up in Gross Point, Michigan. <laughs> are you gonna take that one? Assassinating okay. Debbie's dad. Fantastic. 
It's a bad yeah. You, How great is the scene where Joan Cusack is like chewing the guy out about the ammunition, and then she clicks over and she's like, "No, it's not going to be a boring soup. It's just, it's just a base. It's a base. It's the foundation <laughs> of the soup." She's so good. Um, not to sorry. I want to go back to something you said yeah, earlier yeah. about uh, Martin's origin story as this like troubled young man too. But it's also, um, I think, part of it. One, like they don't. I think the movie back then just didn't have the vocabulary to kind of like explain what that meant. And also this is not the kind of movie where you would, where they were seriously, where they're seriously trying to like explain it anyway. But I mean, one could make, one could like make the connection between like, yeah, of the, the same impulse that makes something like a high school reunion. So nerve wracking is also a, like, it comes from the same place of like you hating the place that you're from, mm-hmm. right? That we mm-hmm. see Martin's, you know, his, um, you know, his mom is institutionalized and she's not doing well. And there's the part where it's like, mom, what happened to our yeah. house? What happened to the money that I sent you? And she just sort of blows it off and right. like, I'm not really good with money. And it's like, I get it. Like you yeah. kind of hate this place that you grew up in. And then if you grew up in a place where you weren't supported or like you didn't feel connected to anybody, like, yeah, I mean, you would, yeah. I mean, it would just, it would make that a difficult place to say, I get it. Yeah. I would want to leave too, you know, if I right. felt, felt so isolated from everything. Um, anyway, sort of... let's talk about the baby scene. Wait, which one's the baby scene? Where he holds the baby at the reunion. I don't remember this. You don't remember oh, Under right. Pressure is oh, playing? Yes. Yes, and the woman right. that he talks to that he clearly has like a connection with, not a romantic one, but they're just, just friends. They're friends yeah. And he's comfortable for a minute, like talking to this person. He's excited to see her. That's what I'm talking about. Like yeah. there would have been people that I had I gone, I would have been like, Oh my gosh, it's so good to see you. Yes. We don't probably have to keep in touch, but like I'll never see you again. Right, exactly. I'm these, so these glad that you're doing well. Right. Yeah. Uh but Facebook makes that all unnecessary. <laughs> Whatever. Um and she asks him to hold the baby. And then we get these close-ups on his face and the baby's face looking back at him. And Under Pressure is playing. And it's such a sincere moment in a movie that isn't – I won't say the movie is, like, completely arch. But there is an ironic distance to a lot of the movie, to the way that the characters interact with each other. To, again, the whole idea of, like, your home has been turned into a convenience store. And, like, there is a lot of, like, sort of – well-deserved hipster irony going on yeah. in the movie. Uh, and then I think all those walls come down in that moment and yeah. it becomes such this beautiful little thing where he's like, his life changes as he's looking at this baby. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just love that scene. Yeah. Um, I always get distracted by the, like Cusack, like really turning on, who was already a very earnest and sort of natural and sort of authentic presence on screen. And then he, like has to dial it up to 15 on that one. And so he has right. this super earnest face on and I always get distracted by like, oh, that baby's so, so cute. It's though. like too much. He is so cute. Um, uh, I like what you said about so much of the movie, everyone, there's this distance, this ironic distance with everything, but then Martin really isn't, doesn't want to be that person, right? right. That he right. really wants to be right. He, <clears throat> Also, the running gag of him calling Alan Arkin, or calling calling his <laughs> calling his therapist. He's like, I don't know why you keep coming. Like, I dropped you as a you know because you, you put me under a lot of pressure because you're you're a killer and like now and and you make comments like you're going to come find where I live and I don't like that. <laughs> Where now I have an emotional attachment to you. 
but he keeps calling it but it's 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 a cry for like he wants to not be this fake like he's not the guy that wears all black he wears it because he feels like he has to and so i love that yeah i love that he in that moment it breaks through that Mm -hmm. he gets to be the person that he wants to Mm -hmm. i feel like maybe part of it is like when he's looking at the baby he's thinking about like oh well like here's a kid I don't think that person, not that the his classmate that he was talking to is necessarily from that town, but he's thinking about like maybe this kid is a kid who's going to grow up here and then will be a, you know, and then I love that. That's a, I love that you pointed that out. The other big thing, other major scene that I want to talk about is after Debbie finds out what he does and she's horrified and she runs away right. and he goes back to her and he's trying to explain himself. She has a great line. That the movie then kind of undermines. Um, and I'm going to bounce this off of you. Oh, like, yeah. she says, you don't get to have me. Yeah. And it's like, talk about a line that, again, 95% of men need to hear. Yeah. Especially, like, in the days of Twitter DMs and Instagram messages. And, like, but I'm being nice to you. And we're friends. And so the fact that I want to date you should give me permission to date you. Right. And they're never just told because the women are maybe trying to be I, – I'm not speaking for all women, obviously. But I know from experience and from friends and spouses uh, in trying to be nice and letting them down gently, right. the message doesn't always come through. And a lot of times it turns to anger and, you know. Anyway, but Debbie flat out says, like, no, you don't get to have me because of who you are. Yeah. And the movie undermines that by having them end up together. And the 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 movie fan in me, the kind of who wants a happy ending, who who is a a champion of romance is happy that they're together. Yeah. It it's satisfying as an ending. But I think a more honest ending would have been you don't get to have me. Right. And he doesn't. Yeah. I don't know what you think about that. I no, I I didn't think about how the ending undermines that line, which is such a great scene between them, right? Where they're, where he's trying to, I mean, he's, it's, uh, we see the same kind of selfishness in Cusack's character in high fidelity, right? Yes, he's for like sure. So he's like such an unreliable narrator because he's trying to recontextualize and justify that the terrible way that he treated all these girls. Right. And then it's, so it's a little bit of that energy. Um, I don't know. Like I just, and I, I want to – I would definitely not change that scene. I wonder, like, like what ending would have made sense. I was just reading a little bit about um, they filmed, like, lots of different endings, right, where, like, they – they tried to do uh, they tried to do one that was really underplayed. They tried to do one that was way over the top, where like everybody dies. And, oh, really? And so, yeah, like uh, I think the director was saying they would constantly have three different levels they were trying to get to. They were like, let's do the really understated one. Okay, then let's do one where we just film everything that's in the script, and then let's now let now let's improv, and then they did uh, would do a deliberate one that's like way over the top, crazy. Um, and so I wonder if, like, I also think. I, I don't know, like if him, him not getting her would make sense, but then where does that leave him, right? Because he's, um, he's, I think he's completely dissolved his business at that point, yeah, right? Because yeah, yeah. Joan, because Joan, like Joan Cusack, like has torched the office and then, so he's really put all of his, he's really put all his marbles in this particular basket, I think. But that puts all the, 
Yeah. That puts the onus on her yeah. to be the thing to, to worth changing him. for. Right. right. And to, to save, save him. him. Right. right. Or else like I'm going to, I'm going to go something. back to killing people yeah, if gonna, you don't date me. Or I'm going to kill myself. Right. And, and that sort of thing. So yeah, it's, it's an uncomfortable ending. Cause it's like, I don't think to me when I look at that, I don't see it as a happily ever after. Cause they're still like, there's no breakthrough with her, you know? Um, like he's made, he feels like he's made a big breakthrough of some sure. sort. Like he, like oh, I'm gonna be my real self or whatever. But like, he still has to convince her because she's not totally convinced. Yeah, I mean the happy, the happy ending of it is that the two of them get out of Gross Point. Yes, and all along we've gotten the sense that like they are the two who've never belonged, who right. don't fit in. That's why they found each other. That's right. why they connect after all these years. Um. That they are perfect for one another because they're not perfect for anything else. Sure. Uh, so them leaving town together is sort of the, to me, it is the happily ever after. Yeah. And again, I like the ending. I don't necessarily want this downbeat ending. Yeah, I don't want like a massacre everywhere. Like no, not, I don't either. Not, yeah, I don't. But I think there's her. an ending where he doesn't get to be with her, but still realizes he has to change. Yeah. And stop doing what he's doing, and maybe he can be right for the next person or maybe as a <laughs> professional killer for 10 years he's ill-suited for domestic life right i don't know no i get you no I, yeah i didn't i didn't think about how that ending gets undermined but i also like don't know i don't know i don't know how to play it where you have that nuance of they're not together right. but they're they clearly are helping each other out by not being yeah. together yeah but yeah. it's but it's like they kind of need each other to like have enough momentum to leave and once they leave they'll be okay and maybe they don't have to be together but that's kind of not how that's not the victory note that's kind of at the right. end of this movie but, no, i just i, I rarely see a movie that has the courage to have the scene where the the female romantic lead says like no right just because you want it doesn't mean you get it right 500 days of summer tries to do that Oh, I haven't geez. seen that movie in so long. Yeah. I remember it trying to do that. Yeah. I don't remember where it lands. Um, it it lands in the next season. <laughs> it lands in autumn. Actually. Oh, that's right. He meets Literally another girl. Right. lands in autumn. But that's cute. See? Do you get it? <laughs> Wordplay. Do you get it? <laughs> Give that guy Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, this guy should make some Spider-Man movies. Yeah. Yeah, mostly because there's not enough Spider-Man content out no, there. No! Yeah. We need more Spider-Man. Yeah, it's either, I want everything to be either Spider-Man or Batman, guys. That's what a fine. time to be alive. <laughs> but again, if, if you asked me that when I was 10, I would be like, yes, I yeah, want everything absolutely. to be Spider-Man and Batman. You were like a real dumb 10-year-old. Sure, I yeah, didn't. I have to say. It's a real Wishmaster situation <laughs> where you get what you wanted and then you're like, but now it's a curse! <laughs> Everything is Spider-Man you and said Batman. This is what you wanted, right? Oh damn! I, I gave it to you. Wishmaster playing the long game, right? Exactly. Empty calories. Didn't know about those when you were ten, did you? <laughs> I did not. Did you? You didn't know about your ten-year reunion when you were ten years old, did you? <laughs> didn't even think about it. Hi, Jenny Slater. Hi, Jenny Slater. Hi, Jenny, Hi, Jenny Slater. Slater. No, and then just and then the vi- and then the visual gag of like Jeremy Piven's character continuing to dance with Jenny Slater yes. throughout the day. Yeah, right. Hilarious. So good. Another reason I like that scene with the woman with the baby is because there's a couple of those um, where he runs into people. It doesn't demonize everyone from the past. It doesn't say, 
all these people were terrible, are terrible. Um, a few of them are exaggerated versions of themselves, just like yeah. Joan Cusack says. It's as yeah. if everyone had swelled. But then there's still people who are like normal and cool and that you want to run into. Yeah. Just, it, it, not everything is bad about home. Not right. everything. Even when it's a convenience store. Uh, yeah, and, and part of it is the... So Jeremy Piven, who I'm not assuming is his best friend from, but just is a friend yeah. from his past. Yeah. And then how he just sort of wordlessly quickly agrees to help him dispose of the, okay, mm-hmm. where, did you, is that your blood? <laughs> okay. All right. Let's. And we get that great scene with yeah. 99 love balloons <laughs> as they're bringing the body downstairs. I, I remember watching that fight scene and I was like, this is crazy. Yeah. This is great and mm-hmm. awesome, and I can't imagine. I can't imagine like a professional level hit like in the just that's just crazy, but I love it. It's just so funny. Yeah, they wrap them up in like the homecoming banners, <laughs> like and, and the stupid like and the banner paper that the exact banner paper that high school posters are all made. Yes, up, and they just wrap them up. Like, Get his feet. Get his feet. <laughs> This is a great movie that would never be made today for a lot of reasons, but mostly because there aren't movies made at this budget level. Yeah. Who would watch this? Right. No one would watch this. Right. It would. It's something that would go to streaming. Yeah. It would be on Netflix. It would star people from TV. They would get the tone all wrong. Like I've been giving Cusack and his co-writer so much credit, but like George Armitage, the director, deserves so much credit for like really balancing a tone here. Um, the cast is great. It just it wouldn't work the way that it does. Yeah, it's uh, it's too, uh, it's it's of a very specific uh time of your life. Mm-hmm. So it's not even time in history, but a very specific time in life. And I wonder, and I think like you were like we've been talking about how Facebook has eliminated so many yeah, right, the feelings right. that you would deal with. Right, it just would it would just look really different. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for talking about this no, movie man, with me. It was great. It was, it's, it was great. This is way better than any ten-year reunion that I had to pay one hundred and fifty dollars for. <laughs> you only have to pay been. me a hundred, which is kind of oh, nice. Oh, damn. Yeah, okay. that's a new thing. That's what the Patreon is: is I charge <laughs> the co-hosts. That's that's what the Patreon's for, guys. It's not actually for you. It's yeah. just for me to have to pay Patrick. Yep. Um, okay. Thank you guys for listening. Go to fthismovie.com every day for cool shit. Uh, follow us on Twitter, at fthismovie. Like us on Facebook. We're on YouTube. We're on Instagram. And as I've referenced many times, we do now have a Patreon. We put out our first special bonus yeah. show. Uh, so uh, that's at patreon.com slash fthismovie to find out more. Thanks again, Mark. Oh, no problem. I'm going to go brown bag it. Thanks for listening to FS Movie.